0: When you tune in to Gesundheit with Jacobus this Saturday morning, it will not be a new topic. I've talked about essential oils on more than one occasion, and it will not be the last. This time, my guest is Amy Pereira, the national educator of the organic essential oil company Prana Rom, also known as Veritas. Amy's knowledge and
1: passion for this ancient healing modality is
0: inspiring.
1: It's Gesundheit with Jacobus, Saturday mornings at 8 on AM 1450 KMMS, where Montana talks. Gesundheit with Jacobus, Health Talk Radio, integrating allopathic and all-natural medicine one show at a time. Here is your host, Jacobus Hollowine. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to
0: the show. This is Gesundheit with Jacobus. The program is all about health, healing, and healthy lifestyles. Gesundheit means health or good health, but always want to keep in mind that we are not here to diagnose, treat, or cure. The purpose of the show is education, information, and hopefully a little bit of tidbits that can help you in your quest for better health. Always recommended to you that you contact the guest after the program, see if there is something they can do for you specifically, call the company if you need be. But in any case, we're living in a society right now where we end up having so many sick people. In the previous program, they mentioned early death in the United States just from heart disease alone is about a quarter million people. That is too much. We have too many people dying for the wrong reasons. I'm not saying we we, we need to die for the right reasons. All I'm saying is, is that if there are disorders that we have a chance to avoid, why not do it? In any case, welcome to the program. And we really appreciate you are joining us again today. My guest, Amy Pereira, is with a bachelor's in environmental science. Amy Pereira has been passionately committed to environmental and human health education for nearly three decades, and she has served a variety of roles within the natural product industry over the past 20 years. Amy has served as a personal chef for clients with special dietary needs, as National Educator and Pacific Northwest Sales Manager for the nation's leading enzyme supplement company, and more. Amy is currently Prana Ram's National Educator, as well as a certified holistic nutrition consultant and a registered yoga teacher. And she loves helping others in taking responsibility for their own well-being and in making educated decisions on their health and wellness journeys. Now, the information you can find... You can go to the website pranaram.com, P-R-A-N-A-R-O-M. Pranarom.com. There is also great information available on the previous name of the of the company, which was called Veriditas, and it is VeriditasBotanicals.com. Amy, good morning to you, and I'm sorry I cut you off there.
2: Oh, good morning, thank Thanks for having me.
0: Hey, you bet. I, I really have enjoyed going through some of the material, also talking to you before the program. It's, it's an absolute delight that you are spending some time with us, And especially since you're an hour earlier than us. So getting up early and being, being nice and fresh for the radio uh, takes a little extra work.
2: Uh, my pleasure. It was definitely nice to connect with you as well.
0: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, now uh, tell us, I still have tendencies at the store when we talk about essential oils So just say veriditas. Uh, what is veriditas? What is Primer Rom? Explain that to us.
2: Yeah, so veriditas is a portmanteau, a combination of two words, and they are derived from the word for green and the word for truth. So veritas, which is truth, and veridi, which is green. And really that term was coined way back by Hildegard von Bingen oh, yes. back in the 1100s yes, as a combination of words that really meant that when we take green plants into our beings and incorporate them into our lifestyles, we have the ability to support our truest, high, highest versions of ourselves. And so, Brititas was founded in 90, um, back in 97, but the um, Pranarome name, similarly, is a portmanteau of two words. Prana, which stands for life force or spirit or even breath of life. So if you've ever done any yoga classes at the beginning, often, or throughout, you'll be instructed to concentrate on your breathing, and the breath work is believed to be linked to our spirit. So prana means life force or spirit. And then aroma stands for aromatic essences, the easily... Evaporating, volatile, fragrant, beautiful essences that plants make. And when we Uh use those aromatic compounds, we have the ability to affect, again, our life force or our spirit. So, Berititas and pranarome came together two years ago in 2016. Okay. So, it's all about scientific aromatherapy. So, it
0: is is kind of a, a change of the name, but not the people who are involved.
2: Yes, exactly.
0: Okay. I thought that there was a company called Pranarome who bought out Feritas. That's not the case.
2: Well, no, there is a, there is a company, Prana Rome, and so I'll give you a little bit of history if you want to know about that, too. Yeah, it's
0: interesting because I, yeah. I it's been a con- little confusing for me, and maybe I should have done more research on it, but it would be helpful to explain it.
2: Well, you have me here, so I'm like a Perfect. book on tape, right? There you go. So- there you, go. you are. <laughs> The um, So Pranarome was actually founded in the early 19, uh, 1990s in Belgium by a pharmacist named Dominique Baudu. And Dominique is a third-generation pharmacist. So like his father and grandfather before him, he is trained in pharmacy and the pharmacological well, pharmacological effects of Um, substances on the human body, but he kind of took a different route and wanted and became passionate about studying the chemistry within plants and how that has a pharmacological and effective um, aspect on the human body. So I love that he founded Pranarome on the principles of scientific medical aromatherapy using essential oils and their chemicals within to support and strengthen health. And so the two companies merged two years ago in 2016. So we are Pronarome U.S., the U.S. version of the Pronarome Global Company.
0: You know, I don't know what your knowledge is of the gemotherapy, but I did see Mm. on the website that uh, the Herbal Gem, which uh, I thought was a company in New York, is also available through your company. Now, I don't know. I didn't see it on the American website Is it so that you in the United States also handle the gemotherapy?
2: So um, we do not have a line of gemotherapy offerings yet, but that is a very exciting science that involves making medicine, plant medicine from the buds of plants because the buds contain the genetic material for the entire plant, the leaf, the stem, and all that. So we don't have that yet, but we have sort of rolled out Some introduction to it on a very small scale. Our Aroma Force products do contain a little bit of gemotherapy, like the black currant bud macerate. So eventually, you may be seeing some of that.
3: I
0: tell you, I've known gemo since 1994, and it is absolutely a fascinating topic. I've had a lot of success with it, and I there are different companies that have had it. And now i I we are dealing with the company herbal Gem and I think they're located in New York and uh, direct but if we could work that out with you with your company that would be wonderful it makes our ordering a lot easier
2: yes yeah so to come right you to bet. Come.
0: that's that's true and that is by the way and folks if you're ever interested in Gemotherapy, I got some phenomenal books at the store and I'd be very happy to explain that to you. Um, of course, the focus today is the essential oils, but gemotherapy. For those of you who are listening and who have tried gemotherapy, you can attest to the fact that it is amazing how it clears the, the cells to make the cells of, ready for more, for better absorption of nutrients and and better uh, acceleration and healing. Uh, so, but anyway, that is neither here nor there. The the um, the essential oils it. Amy, it stays a, a, a confusing thing to many people. Uh, how do you squeeze an oil out of a plant, out of a flower, out of bark, out of a root? Uh, how does that process work? How do we create essential oils?
2: Right. So in some cases, you literally can squeeze the essential oil out of a plant. So I think of when we peel an orange, if we've ever sat out in the sunshine and peeled an orange and Um, maybe we get a little of that spray in our eye, oh, you know, or we just see that mist. That is the essence or the essential oil that's spraying out into the air. So with the citruses, sometimes they will cold-press the rinds in order to extract the essential oils, these fragrant essential oils, from that part of the plant. But by and large, most essential oils are obtained through steam distillation, and this is really important when it comes to, like you were saying, essential oils that are derived from wood, bark, or roots, or, um, you know, even leaves. They they're may be a little juicy if we squeeze them between our fingers, but they're not concentrated amounts of just the essential oils without all the water-soluble constituents.
3: Right. So right.
2: what they do is they actually take plant material and put it into a still, and there are a variety of different types, but with Prana Room, we use stainless steel stills because that is less reactive with water and um, chemicals within water.
0: Do you call the it spring- a still? You call it a, a still? Still? Yeah, the
2: dis- its a still. It's a distillation. Okay. Uh, distillation equipment. Okay. And so there's many, actually, many different chambers and sections to it. Huh. But um, essentially. The plant material and water is placed in the first chamber, and there's a heat source beneath that water. That water is heated to boiling, and when the steam rises up through the plant, it, in a sense, opens the pores of the plant and releases the essential oils. So essential oils are very easily evaporating. They're picked up by that steam, They then travel throughout other sections of this equipment to some condensation coils where the gas essential oil molecules and the steam, the water that's in gas state, then come back into a liquid state. So they condense back into a liquid.
0: It kind of cools cools off as it goes through all these uh, pipes, so to say.
2: Yes, exactly. And then because essential oils have a lower density, um, they rise. Mm-hmm. and the water sinks, and the essential oils are taken off the top and sold in little bottles, and the water is actually considered a hydrosol or a hydrolat. So this is a co-product of the distillation process. So both of those, both the hydrosol and the essential oil, yeah. are obtained through the steam distillation process.
0: That is, uh, I know we're going to talk about the hydrosols as well, But now you are already explaining it. Can you highlight just a few things about hydrosols? Why? What is the purpose of hydrosols?
2: Sure. So because this is really the water that's used in the process.
0: Distilling process, yes. Yes.
2: It is going to contain the water-soluble constituents and very little, if any, essential oils. And so you might think, well, what's so great about that? But... That makes them more gentle and able to be used in cases where maybe essential oils might be too strong for huh. an infant or for your pets. You can use them for skincare purposes. Huh. You can use them to wash the face, tone the skin, hydrate the skin, cool a burn. So there's many different ways that you can use hydrosols as well.
0: I'll be darned. I I have only been introduced to the hydrosols because of your company. And uh, so that's interesting. I don't think everybody does it, but that uh, makes makes sense. So it has similar, let's call it healing properties, but on a much lighter, uh, in a much lighter tone, so to say.
2: Yes, that's a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Huh. Huh. But now, uh, I, I heard that you may have to keep the hydrosols refrigerated in the store, in your house. Is that true or not true?
2: You can extend their shelf life by keeping them refrigerated. There's no harm in doing so. Okay. And it's sometimes nice to keep them there, especially this time of year with the summer months and we shed our layers and we head out into the sunshine and our skin is exposed to more sun. If we have a burn, we can grab some of that lavender or lemon balm or the hydrosols that are in the refrigerator. And first aid, the first line of defense against a burn would be to cool the burn, and, Of course, you can just run your arm under cold water or put a cold compress on, but you could also spray the skin with cool lavender that you've pulled out from your refrigerator and that Sure. Instance.
0: sure, wow. If you can find lots of information, if you can go you know I give out that 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 Veriditas Botanicals because it has so much good information. Is that still used can i can I go ahead and give that out uh, Amy? Y-
2: yes, the Veritas Botanicals does work also pronorrome dot u s Oh, take US. you to the U.S. Um, website, yes. Yeah, okay, but if you idea. the website you mentioned earlier, pranarome.com, there is a U.S. tab up at the top that will direct is. you there yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw
0: that. There's one for the Netherlands too. You can uh, you can read everything in Dutch, so that was exactly. kind of fun for me. Yeah. So pranarome.us, pranaro mus or veriditas, v-e-r-i-d-i-t-a-s botanicals.com veriditas botanicals.com you find wonderful information and pictures of different products and what you can do so it is really a website where you can spend some time and learn about essential oils the um, uh, I know we're coming closer to a break but I like to get started on what indeed I I quickly highlighted it that you are not a direct marketing company but what makes Prana Rome so special and sets it apart from other arom- aromatherapy companies.
2: Right. Well, you already touched upon um, the organic aspect, but I always want to reiterate that, and we'll talk about that again throughout the show. But Cronarome sure. is the only 100% certified organic, so the whole line, whether you're talking about essential oils or hydrosols or virgin plant oils, which are sometimes known as carriers, or even, in some cases, our essential oil-based supplements, the entire line... Is organic it's based on the principles of scientific medical aromatherapy meaning these are not just essential oils that are fragrant we're not just using them to make candles these are essential oils that have been crafted and we can talk about the totem process later but with the intent for supporting human health and well-being
3: yes
0: the, uh, I want to come back uh, for a moment to the hydrosols because we were talking about it. And what about uh, the hydrosols for uh, things, the resins like frankincense or myrrh, the heavier ones, the sandalwoods? Um, is that also hydrosols that are usable for people?
2: Yes, absolutely. So there is a sandalwood um, hydrosol and there is a frankincense hydrosol. And they are, they. you know, when you smell them, It's good to keep in mind that it's not the exact same fragrance as the essential oil. Interesting. But the sandalwood really, I love that one. Yeah, I love sandalwood. Very favorite.
1: Yeah. Yeah, wonderful. Well, we're going to take a short break here. Don't forget to breathe while you're listening to Gesundheit with Jacobus. Stay tuned. There's more.
0: Let's talk about what essential oils are and why do plants actually make them?
2: Yeah, so it's fascinating. Essential oils are made by plants. They're these again, these easily evaporating chemical compounds. Some plants can make three hundred or so no different way. chemicals. Yes, they wow. can contain. 300 different types of molecules huh. within their tissue. Yeah. And so they make them, for a variety of purposes, but um, to fight viruses, bacteria, and other pests. So yeah. they make them to ward off threats to their immune system. They also are made to attract pollinators, so bees, butterflies, beetles, etc., that help ensure survival of the species. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they often um, deter certain animals from eating them, and they attract seed scatterers, like large animals that would come up and bump them and spread the seed. So it's really all about survival and um, sustaining that species of the plant yes. is the reason why they make them.
0: Uh-huh. Wow. But
2: we humans can and have been for millennia. We can harness those powers of those essential oil chemicals and use them for our immune systems and our reproductive systems and our overall well-being. So fascinating how plants make these amazing essential oil chemicals but that we too can benefit from them.
0: Now the history of essential oils it it goes back a long ways and it's simply because of the tremendous archaeological research that that has been done by people that we discovered that these oils have been around for a very long time. A and, very long time. And that is so fascinating because, let me say it this way, what we have discovered in the modern day that we found in Egypt, and i like you to elaborate on that a little bit, the quality of these oils was still there. And that to me is fascinating how Mother nature works. Of course, obviously, it was pretty dark and damp and cold in there, cool in there in the pyramids, but... Uh, explain a little bit uh, to us how w- what they found and what they found about the quality of the oil, if you know any about that.
2: Well, the essential oils were used in the embalming process. They were used in anointing and spiritual practice. Um, and so, yes, there is a long history. I mean, we're not talking about the fact that plants have made essential oils probably well longer than humans have been harnessing the mm-hmm. powers. But they archaeolo- um, archaeologists have found ruins and remnants of ancient distillation pots. I mean, really, really basic and rudimentary, but amazing and you know ingenuity. It's amazing what you can do when you're not sitting around watching television and your brain starts expanding. Yes. Um, but they found these pots that water and plant material would be placed in, just like modern. Um, more sophisticated equipment, but you'd put the plant material and the water in the pot and uh, fire would be built beneath that. And same principle, the steam would travel up through the plant, bring the essential oils up to the top. It was sort of a long pot with a roundish lid. And so, you know, when you take the lid off of a pot of maybe spaghetti sauce or something you have on the stove and there's all that steam and if you tilt it to the side, it all drips runs on your counter or something like that yeah well that top of the pot was high enough from the heat source that it would collect the steam and it would turn back into water and then it would drip down the sides and collect in a little sort of moat that would channel that those drips of liquid onto a little pot on the floor that would collect both the essential oil and the hydrosol so that was dated to about 3500 BC wow so that's Fifty five hundred years ago. Yes. That you know, fifty five hundred years, millennia, humans have been utilizing and value, um, in gaining the value from plant materials.
0: It just uh, amazes me. Yes, and even uh, what they found in uh, in some of the tombs from the pharaohs. In the who were embalmed they also found I understand small containers with essential oils in it and what I recall is that they still felt like oils and still smelled like oils uh, is that is that true or is that uh, not true
2: um so I can't speak about all of the details about the archaeological finds but I would think that if it was more of the thick, the more viscous oils, they have a tendency to be able to last longer. Huh. I would also imagine that, I mean, the ancient Egyptians were experts, of course, at embalming, and I would imagine that they also preserved all of those containers that they wanted to, you know, have usher that being into the afterlife as well, so they probably were very well sealed, yes. and that's can lead to them still being around.
0: Now we came up to the break in the last half hour and I couldn't really continue asking you about what makes the company Pranarome different than others. We did say it's a hundred percent organic in all the products, their capsules, their hydrosols, the the oils, uh, the way you make things in general is 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 kinda unique. What are some other things that you have gone, that the company has gone through, like EcoCert? What are some of the things that the company has done to make it the level, the quality that it is today?
2: Yes. So with Pranarome there is a direct relationship with the farmers and distillers. So we get no essential oils from a catalog, from a broker who comes by and says, hey, do you want this lavender or this lavender? It's not like that. We have these relationships, direct relationships with our farmers and our distillers, and those individuals with whom we choose to work invest great time and energy in their craft. And so this is, um, when we work with these farmers, we know that they use no genetically modified seeds, that they are passionate about what they do. There's no synthetic pesticides or chemicals that they, when they're use a certain process that helps to extract all of the chemical constituents. So this is what I indicated that I thought it would be good to talk about as well. Yeah. It's it's called totem, the totem process, and it involves complete distillation. So in some cases, you can get a large amount of essential oil quickly from a plant if you use certain um, pressures and certain temperatures. And this is good for maybe the bottom line in that you get a lot of oil fast. Yes. But what happens is if you don't give it um, the right period of time, if you're just trying to get a lot of oil fast, you Mm -hmm. don't get all of the active molecules that are within that plant. So the totem process involves taking time and doing it right and getting all of the essential oil chemicals what are maybe considered from the head, heart, and tail
3: of the mm, distillation
2: process. So you get that which is released initially, and then the heart, um, that which would be maybe um, fastest released, but also sticking around and allowing the last bits of chemicals to make it into the oil. So you have this complete essential oil with all of the active molecules. So that give, give us takes an idea. Time.
0: Yeah, now give us a ad- rough idea. Let people know what are sometimes that were hours-wise, that it takes to to get an essential oil in the quality that uh, pranarome is using?
2: Yes, so with each plant, of course, it's going it's to different, be... different, right? Yes, very different. And so with each plant, too, you're also using different parts of the plant. Um, but with, like, for instance, thyme, that's one that is commonly extracted to get, a fast amount because time is so popular it's used in mouthwashes and cleaning products oh yeah yes but really what's so important is that we give um, the hours to and I could not tell you exactly that would be a really great um, piece of literature to compile to find out how much time goes into each essential oil if you're just doing it commercially or if you're doing it um, for the totem process, but I can tell you that the time varies greatly, and it's much longer when we're doing the totem process.
0: Right. Now, I, I think that part of that would be a trade secret. You know, I, I, I would assume if everybody knew how many hours it would take, uh, then it would make it probably more competitive as far as that is concerned. But I have heard something, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, I heard that lavender may take up to 23 hours to get all the parts out of the lavender. Is that is that a, a, a right? Am I closing the ballpark there or not?
2: You know, it can take a long time. And, and really for me to tell you how long it would take, I'd have to kind of do some cross-referencing and get some information. But I can tell you that it takes a massive amount of lavender, so like 150 kilos of lavender to get one kilo of essential oil. Wow. And here's another fact that since we're talking about what it takes, um, it takes about 1.3 million roses to make a cup of Rose Otto, pure organic Rose Otto essential oil. So uh, how many roses? How many roses? 1.3 million.
0: 1.3 million.
2: Wow. And I don't know about you, but I don't know what that looks like. I can't envision a room with 1.3 million roses. So uh-huh. to kind of bring it down to a number that we can wrap our heads around, it's about 40 to 60 roses to make a single drop of Rose Otto essential oil.
3: Wow. Wow.
2: (laughs) And there are definitely other things to talk about in that with roses, they can't just be picked and then hauled across, you know, a state or a country before they're distilled. It's really important to, um, and this is what our, our rose Distillers do pick the roses in the morning while they still have dew on them. Mm-hmm. And then rather than transport them to where the distillation equipment is, there are mobile distillers that come on site with the mobile distillation equipment so that they can get the freshest, best essential oils. Wow. Isn't that incredible?
0: It is It is really incredible. Uh, what, what also, when people say this is not a science, these are all people who have studied this are working with it and trying to make this an absolute success to uh, make sure that the quality and the therapeutic values of these amazing plants is restored and is preserved and is therefore utilized in, in the best way possible. And, and as consumers, we simply look at these little bottles and we just say, oh, it's $25 or it's $36 or $12. Oh okay we don't understand really how much time it takes anybody number 1 equipment wise to get all the equipment to 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 set up this whole distillation process to have these mobile distillers the it is incredible the the labor the time the the quality of the material of the of the equipment to put all that together and say this is an, an worth an investment for me because I believe in the power of the plants and what he can do for humanity. Uh, you have to be quite devoted to do that, and especially when you start coming out with—I uh, don't even know how many products you have, but if if you look at how many essential oils, there must be at least thirty of them or thirty-five that we. Oh have. yeah,
2: no, closer to like eighty. Or is it so. really? Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's the wellness blends that are made of those, so yeah. even beyond that. But you're right, it, for someone to say it's not science, that that's just not an educated statement. It's absolutely a science, and you can even go online and look at PubMed and Medline and look up research on essential oils, the chemicals within, and so many different medical trials. But it's not only a science, it's a labor of love, it's a craft. And so even when you know a farmer is planting seeds, some of these farmers can trace their seed stock back to, you know, a number of generations or hundreds of years. They take pride in knowing where the seed stock came from. They use no, you know, never any genetically modified seeds. For a product to, say, USDA organic, it cannot use a genetically modified seed or contain genetically modified ingredients. Wow. And then you mentioned EcoCert, so we might as well make sure that, folks know what that means, because that's on the label as well. USDA Organic is our national organic certifying program, and that's really important. It is, again, guaranteeing that there's no genetically modified seeds or organisms in that plant, that there are certain um, approved um, natural chemicals able to be used to help support the plant, fertilize it, but no unapproved. There's even measures in place as to what types of staking material, like what types of poles can be used. Really? If it's really? A climbing or trellising plant. Yeah, it can't ever have been like pressure treated or soaked in creosote. So there's all these systems and measures in place, and those are just like three of the many, many measures that need to be followed in order for that product to have that final end stamp of USDA Organic. Wow. But there's also EcoSearch. And this is another beautiful layer of protection, that this EcoCert certification was founded in Europe in 1991, and it's the world's largest organic certifying body. It is even more strict and stringent than USDA organic. And it just guarantees, again, that there's no genetically modified organisms, no synthetic ingredients. All of the products are always tested in-house and third-party as well, Mm -hmm. and tested for 120 different pesticides, because sometimes neighboring farms and fields may spray, and there's always the concern of potential cross-drifting of that. So, it's very important to pay attention to all the measures all along the way, but then also test the final product so we know that they're pure, organic, and also just that we know all the chemistry within so that when we're building formulas, we can take advantage of those chemicals and know what that oil contains and how that's going to best serve us. Right,
0: right. Wow. We have a caller on hold who would like to weigh in. Good morning, caller. Thanks for joining the show today. What's your name? How can we help you? This is Clint. Hey, Clint. Good morning to you.
4: Well, good morning to you and to your guests there. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I, I got a, a statement to make. The statement is this: I don't know if any seed in the United States or in the world that isn't hasn't been changed. In other words, modified. It's a GMO. I don't know of one seed, and I'll put it out. For, I'll give you it for instance, all the wheat and seeds that I know of have been genetically modified, and most of them, a lot of them, has been done right here at this university. And you can look up at the patents that the university has on genetically modified seeds, but the organic seeds, a lot of them have been genetically modified and called organic. And the thing thing that's happened here, uh, to me anyway, to my estimation, I think that uh, we've had a lot of people lie to us about various different things of what is a, is, you know, is is not a genetically modified seed or whatever. And I think that some of these oils that this young lady's talking about have not been uh, modified and some have been modified through their seeds. And now that's good or that could be good or it could be bad. And so Right.
2: So there are there is a hybridization process that can happen mm-hmm. and that's just the natural selection as you're probably well aware. Um, but there really are seeds that are not genetically modified, but it is an immense amount of labor to make sure that we have these and we store these in seed banks. And any time that you put seeds out in the field, of course, there's always um, natural selection that will happen, and so it's really hard to just kind of live in a bubble. But at the same time, there still are absolutely um, GMO-free varieties that do remain, but like you said, unfortunately, modern biotechnology is definitely um, working to alter many different plants and seeds. I don't know if that's
4: for good or for. I don't know if it's, if anything will come good out of it. I hope so. That when they do all these things, and they do it because of the war, droughts, and they they do a lot of different modifications of seed because of the of the climates, and I can understand that. But in the same time, you know, they're doing things that they shouldn't do also.
2: Sure. Right. And so I think it's with good intent in a lot of cases, or that's maybe what one might think if it's drought-resistant uh-huh. and so on. But at the same time, sometimes they do rush these things through, and we really don't know the long-term ramifications. Right. Absolutely and right. so I, I just personally probably sounds like I stick on the same path as you, is that I just really want to live an existence that is close to my ancestors yeah. and just really kind of take it back to basics.
4: That's absolutely right. Well, anyway, you've got a not good guest here.
2: Yeah, she's and, very good.
4: Yes, she is. And I think that a lot of people are really enjoying the show. I know I am. I'm <laughs> enjoying listening to you.
0: Thanks,
2: Clint. Oh, thanks, Clint.
4: Well, yeah, because you, you're you're telling something that is truthful. And I like that. I think everybody does.
0: Yes, well, and she's passionate about it, and she has really studied the topic, and Why, so she's familiar. I can familiar. see that. Yes. Uh,
4: I, could, I, can, I can see that. I'm kind of half-ass educated myself, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I do. Like the guy says, have you been to college, Clint? And I said, yeah, I've been through a couple of them. You know, I said, I went through the front door and the back door. I, guess, <laughs> I don't know if that counts, but anyway. Uh, I appreciate sometimes, it. Sometimes I don't talk like it, but that's all right.
0: Yeah. Anyway, thank you. Thank you, Clint. I Bye-bye. appreciate it. Bye-bye. Lots of information coming your way. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
1: Health experts, (laughs) witnessing them at the top of their game every Saturday morning on Gesundheit with Jacobus. Uh, Amy,
0: is there a difference between organic and pure or therapeutic-grade products? Uh, Explain that to us. Yeah, that's a
2: great question. It's something that really should be... Addressed because it's very unclear to a lot of individuals. Um, so, with just like the word "natural," terms like "pure" or "therapeutic" or you know, thera- "therapeutic grade" those are not legally defined. So, when it comes to our governing bodies, FDA and so on, um, those terms "pure," "therapeutic," "therapeutic grade." They don't mean anything. They're not legally defined. So okay. you might see a little TM, the trademark, after some of those. That just means that the company has registered that particular language with the patent office and that that is their combination of special words that only they can use. But USDA Organic and EcoCert, these are not trademarks. These are n- national and international certifying bodies that inspect facilities, inspect the growing process, and throughout the whole, um, all the steps of the process along the way, they take into consideration and you cannot not follow those channels to have the EcoCert or USDA organic seals on your label. So there's, like I said, inspections involved with just putting pure or therapeutic on a product that's just a marketing term. So okay. while therapeutic is a great word, I mean, I, I frequently use it and say, you know, it, it may have therapeutic benefits. Yes. What therapeutic means is that it's intended to impart a beneficial effect on the human body. And okay. that's a great word. But when it comes to looking at two different essential oils, and one says therapeutic grade or therapeutic, and one says you know, USDA Organic or EcoCert, those are two totally different products. There's nothing that says a therapeutic-grade product can't have synthetic pesticides on it or in it. So it's it's oh. not a accepted um, or inspected. There's no inspection that goes along with that. Now, a company might put that on their label and trademark it, and it might mean something to them, but it is not. Nearly the same as USDA organic and EcoCert organic certification.
0: So that is the first thing you need to look for. Therapeutic is something that is just an added benefit that will tell you that that uh, it can actually benefit you somehow on uh, in certain health conditions, but then not saying that it will cure, heal, or uh, you know anything like that. I was going to say uh, diagnose because that that has nothing to do with it, but. It, it. Nobody will say that a certain oil will cure anything. Um, I do know that there, are, there is literature out there that says that frankincense has been used for by people who have cancer, and they have had very good success with it. It doesn't mean 100%, but it does mean that there is something to an oil such as frankincense that can be used by people in different circumstances, and they may find uh, uh, positive healing effects from something they're, they're they're fighting. And so, it should not be because some of the research is indeed has indeed been published. It shouldn't be the the only thing that people do, but it could work and as as an adjunct therapy without worry of having a negative effect by the essential oil. Is that fair to say?
2: Yeah. So. Another thing, too, I mean, so let me just say two things about therapeutic. That, that just is just a, a marketing term. It just It's designed to appeal to someone's senses that they know that that is going to support health. Right. And, and that's great, but it doesn't mean that it's organic. It doesn't mean that Correct. it's pesticide-free. And the the other thing is that I often look at the research on PubMed and Medline and Google Scholar, and I think a lot of times... The research is amazing, and sometimes it's taken out of context by different websites. So just because someone's website says, oh, you know, this research shows this, I always encourage if you have the wherewithal to go on to those websites and actually look at the initial research, go to PubMed and Medline, because sometimes the research will be done on the powdered root of the plant, and then someone will put on their website, you know, frankincense does this, and I see. they're not talking about the essential oil. The study was on the root of the plant that was I ground see. up and encapsulated. So a lot of it gets misconstrued, but at the same time, there is absolutely research on essential oils as well. We know that many essential oils have um, antimicrobial properties. You can look up, you know, like I said, these medical trials where they look at how limonene, a major constituent in lemon... Um, can help with many different bacteria. Mm-hmm. So the research is out there. Um, like you said, Jacobus, we don't want to treat or diagnose or make any claims, but that's not to say that the power of nature can't support us. And so this is really where, you know, you read in my bio that I love when people take responsibility for their own well-being, but that doesn't just mean go look at someone's .com website and take it as gospel you really need to kind of look at look at what's behind it
0: yes but obviously when you find oils in a in a tomb 3500 years before christ and then you uh, you realize that there must have been a reason because they pretty much put the essentials over there with the pharaoh who passed away then obviously there is something special to it and i'm really glad that modern science and i have to say it that way modern science has picked up on the fact that we found that this has been around for so long and said, you know we got to test this. And I think that with the modern technology and equipment that we have and the brains that we have and the scientists who may or may not be totally interested in it, but who are able to look things up, they have discovered these amazing properties in the this blood of the plant, right? It is the blood of the plant that has been able that has been distilled out of the plant, the root, the bark, the flowers of Mother Nature and have discovered that these can do, at, at the least, many of them are very soothing to smell, they're calming the mind. we Lavender is one of them, for example. I think jasmine is one also for people when they have a heart. Is it, is it right? Is it marjoram or is it jasmine? Yeah, marjoram. That, that helps you sleep, fades, right?
2: Too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. So, very calming.
0: Yes. So the the uh, the benefits that have been discovered simply by smelling the oil and feeling a calmness coming over you, uh, that could already be something that works on people. Uh, people enjoy sprinkle sprinkle a few drops on the pillow at night and just go have a more restful sleep. Well, are you making any claims? No. But the anecdotal information that's out today with uh, people using essential oils and especially i would say in the last few decades when the market has really exploded i would say is a lot of indication that the powers that be let's call it that way are behind in their in their research in calling it what it is that this stuff really works and that it is very beneficial to people and they shouldn't make it so difficult and say well it's not been approved by the fda blah 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 it's uh, sometimes conf- it frustrates me how slow the process is but then again i realize that western medicine has a phenomenal place has done amazing work i mean we wouldn't be where we are if it wasn't for western medicine but they don't own the whole playing field they are in a their own corner and the field is taken up by amazing research and therapies all the way from flower therapies to essential oils to homeopathy to vitamins and minerals to, to nutritional oils, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So there is great information out there. There are great therapies out there for people to use. And we are focusing today on the essential oils and especially on the one that you are working with as national educator, Pranarome, because the excitement that you are truly a 100% eco-cert and 100% organic and that you do something that is called the totem, the totus, is that what you called it?
2: Totem, yes. Totem, T-O-T-U-M.
0: Yes, so that, that means that the research that Pranarom has done is finding out how long, how many hours do we need to distill this plant, this flower, to get all the essential constituents distilled out of it, so that we can we we know that we have everything we need uh, to me that is that is amazing science for people who have figured that out
2: right yeah so you know some companies will just use high pressure and distill for 25 30 minutes but then you're not getting all of the beneficial components that are within an essential oil so you may use the lower pressure lower pressure and take you know more hours but the final end product even though it it takes more time, and it costs more to run machinery. The end product is unmatched.
0: Well, and I think also that you put a lot of stress on the plant itself if you try to speed it up. I think if you just let it naturally happen, then it uh, it is much more relaxing and, and more benefic- beneficial.
2: Right, and so it can be less irritating. Using the high temperatures um, can produce discolored oils that are... Um, you know, you can kind of think of it as cooking something on your barbecue too long. It gets a little too burnt and crispy. Um, yes. Very rudimentary analogy, but at the same time, um, high temperature could give some essential oils some um, potential adverse chemicals in them. So now, this is really all an amazing science.
0: It is. Now, there is an, a great book booklet that is available it the store, and it is done by Dr. Baudoux, B-A-U-D-O-U-X, the man who started Pranarome in Belgium, the pharmacist, and it's called the, the guidebook to chemotyped essential oils. What are chemotyped essential oils?
2: Yeah, so chemotyping is interesting and important to know about, and I'll kind of start with the fact that there are different species of plants. And so a great example would be some oils that you have in your store, like Eucalyptus globulus or Eucalyptus citriadora. There's also Eucalyptus radiata. So the Eucalyptus is the genus and the radiata is the species or the globulus is the species. So it's a similar plant, same family, same genus, but it's just a little different enough that it can be considered a separate species. So that's pretty easy to understand, and you'll see when you look at the bottle, it'll say the genus and species right on the front. But in some cases, one plant with the same genus, same species, and we can take rosemary, for example. It's Rosemarinus officinalis. The same plant, when grown in different regions, will express different... Chemistry, And so this is important to know because if you take that one plant and you grow it in Morocco and that same plant, same genus, same species is grown in a different region like Corsica, it will express totally different chemicals. It will make different chemicals within the plant. And then when the plant is put into the distillation equipment, the end product will be very different. Yeah. So that first one might have a really high amount of 18 cineole and that is what's also in eucalyptus. So yes. that one high cineol rosemary might have a lot of similarities to eucalyptus. It may smell similar. Yes. It may help with respiratory function, help you bring up some mucus, and so on. But the other plant that doesn't have that high-sineal might have a different compound like verbanone, and that makes it um, just suitable for different purposes like skin care or maybe fighting fine lines, facial hair yeah, yeah, yeah. and so on. So knowing that each plant, when it's grown differently, can not every plant but many plants, when grown in different regions and different conditions, can express different chemicals. You wouldn't know this unless you were doing testing, gas chromatography, mass spectrometry, and looking at those end reports, that will tell us what a chemotype is, what chemotype that plant may be. So a chemotype, really simply put, is a different chemical makeup of the same plant. I see. So a lot of times, like you were saying earlier, folks will come in and say, oh, I heard frankincense is good for this, or I'm looking for cinnamon, and then when they walk over to the essential oil set, they may see that there's cinnamon leaf and cinnamon bark or three different eucalyptus species or a rosemary that says cineol, or one that says verbenone. So I always tell people when you are looking for essential oils, if you've read it in a book or seen it on a website, make note of the genus and species or the chemotype if that's known because that will really help you select the best essential oil for the purposes that you're hoping to achieve.
0: Yes, and I I highly recommend, folks, if you happen to go to Gesundheit Nutrition Center, look at these booklets. They are on the bottom shelf, and they are wonderful. They literally explain what she is talking about over here, talking about the species and talking about the genus. So the genus could be, as you mentioned, eucalyptus, but the species, then, there's different kinds. You see a Globulus, you see a citrodora, you see a Radiata, and you pick the one that you want because the booklet will actually explain what each and every one, what the Globulus, Radiata, and the the, uh, the citrodora will actually, well, what benefits, the main properties it has, and what are some of the traditional indications. So I see here with Eucalyptus citrodora. It even works with shingles if you have itching, uh, also hypertension, uh, cystitis, um, arthritis, tendinitis, sciatica, athlete's foot, uh, mosquito repellent and mosquito bites. Well, that's really good right now. But th- just simply knowing that these oils can have these benefits instead of just saying, well, it smells pretty good, there is more to it. And I, I again, I personally love the fact that science is backing this up. And showing that these amazing plants that Mother Nature makes have these benefits and we can they're ready for us to be used. So pick up that booklet, look at it, find out what this product can do for you. Now, as far as essential oils, Amy, I know that some people put them in something, they smell them, they, 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 they use a distiller themselves, an aromatizer themselves, or they just put it on their chest or on the bottom of their feet, Uh, what are some of the best uses that you have seen for essential oils in daily life?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, that's going to be, I love the question, and it's so relevant to each individual. Um, It is, many people, many people will become mostly familiar with putting essential oils in their diffuser, and that is a great way to get to know an oil um, there are definitely some oils that are not as suitable for the diffuser, and so you can always look at literature that refers to that. But a diffuser is an awesome way to get to know an essential oil, to use it to freshen the home, to help support clean air in the home. But then there's so many other uses. skin care, you can use essential oil of lavender for a sunburn or a a burn that you've incurred on the barbecue this time of year or maybe cooking, Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of folks will use them in the bath, like you were saying, for their emotional components. You could put lavender or um, other essential oils, bergamot, whatever you find to be really calming and effective for you, into some salt, some Epsom salt with some virgin plant oil and make a lovely moisturizing, soothing, aromatic soak. Mm. You can use them, like you said, in inhaler sticks, um, as chest rubs. When kids aren't feeling well, often moms, if they have a fever, they'll do that cold socks, wet socks, traditional Chinese medicine principle where you put on some wet socks and then some wool socks, and that helps to draw the core temperature away from the core and out toward the extremities because of the evaporation happening with the wet socks. Yes. But a lot of folks like to put Essential oils on the feet as well mm-hmm. so there's just so many different ways and of course um, cleaning products as well. I love to reduce the toxic burden in life. there's so many toxic chemicals everywhere we turn and you know even just in certain cities going outside and breathing the air or smoke if there's wildfires near you, yeah. the air quality water quality we're assaulted on so many levels so. And We can use essential oils to make cleaning products. Clean our homes with lemon. That's a great way to reduce that toxic yeah. burden.
0: Yeah, or pine or something. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Right.
0: Wow, it's it's exciting. I, I know that uh, many people like to put it on their on the bottom of the feet or behind in the in the hairline in the neck. Uh, peppermint, for example, if you want to cool down, cool off a little bit when it is so hot, put a little peppermint that, on your temples. Make sure you don't keep it close to your eyes. But a of the hairline cools you down very quickly. Um, this is great. We have lots of good information coming our way from Amy Pereira, the national educator for the essential oil company Pranarome. So stay tuned. Go to veriditasbotanicals.com, veriditasbotanicals.com, or go to pranarome.us
1: for more information. We're going to be right back. Stay tuned, please. The next generation of alternative medicines. Gesundheit with Jacobus from 8 to 11 a.m. on AM 1450 KMMS.
0: At the end of the last half hour, we were discussing how to apply the essential oils. And you were talking about, obviously, a diffuser, which is very safe for many people to use just to sm- make a room smell wonderful or therapeutically at night Put it next to your stand, night, or put it on your nightstand. Let it run, or if it makes too much noise for you, just get it going for a couple hours before you go to bed. Close the windows, and then when you go to bed, shut it off. Have your windows closed, close the door, and then you inhale that smell all night long, which could be very healing, healing for you. Uh, also, people can apply it on the skin, but we're going to elaborate on that now. Uh, you can put it in your bath, take a bath in it. Uh, let's say people take a bath, how much oil would you put in the bath?
2: Well, it really depends which essential oil you're talking about. And if it's a blend or something that's designed and already formulated for direct use, like you could put a few drops of Stress recovery, for instance, right into the bath water. Anytime you have a higher temperature in the bath, that will increase your ability to absorb essential oils. So okay. usually a drop or two is fine, but that's not the case with every essential oil. So it's really important that booklet that you mentioned, the guidebook to chemo-type essential oils, yeah. that folks can come in and get, and I think it's complimentary there. I think um, so. That's really great because it will tell you how much you can use topically, and it will tell you if you need to dilute it. So in the scientific aromatherapy world, when you put it on your skin without being diluted, it's called NEAT. So many essential oils are safe for NEAT application, like lavender.
0: NEAT is spelled N-E-A-T.
2: That's right, yep. So that is direct on the skin. Yes, exactly. So you can put the oils that are, um, some of them, neatly right on your skin. You can apply them in that way, neat application, meaning, again, you don't have to dilute it. So if you have a burn, you may put a few drops of lavender onto that burn. And what I really like to do is keep the lavender hydrosol, that that water, in the refrigerator. And then if someone in the house has a burn, whether it's sunburn or uh, the burn from heat, like barbecue or steam burn. Yeah. You can just mist the skin with the hydrosol to cool it down. Okay. And then a drop or two of the lavender, you can just gently pat it onto the skin. Yeah. And really, the reason that lavender is uh, partly the reason is so popular today is because of a French scientist experiment. Um, he had a burn. He incurred a burn. And knowing the benefits of lavender and all these other essential oils that he had in his lab, he applied lavender directly to that burn right after it happened. And he was astounded at how it helped with the discomfort, how it helped encourage the whole um, healing process. And so that, in the early 1900s, was what really spurred a lot of the modern medical research on lavender. So again, that one's safe to put on the skin directly for for most people. But there's such a massive amount of plant material in every single drop that you really don't have to use it neatly. If you wanted to dilute your lavender in a little bit of what some people call carrier oil or virgin plant oil, that's another safe and effective way to use essential oils. And that can be particularly safe when you're talking about children. So maybe a little one has um, irritation uh, where the diaper was. You may put a drop of lavender. If you look at the book um, with some oils, you can't use them neatly, even though you can with lavender. Um, With little ones, it's nice to, to dilute. And so you could use a drop of lavender in something like calendula oil. Okay. And then one drop, Of lavender in 100 drops of calendula oil would be a 1% dilution. And it doesn't sound like a lot, but babies, infants are very, very sensitive. And of course, that may be very well enough. And you could just do a little patch test somewhere Mm -hmm. and make sure that they respond well. And then if they do, you can just apply that to um, diaper, diaper region just to help with skin care. And it may even be really nice as Um, a foot rub for baby right before sleep.
3: I see.
0: So the carrier oils do not dilute the oil to the point that they're less effective. And that is often confusing for me because I think straight must be better, but that's not how you look at it. Uh, Carrier oils can actually exponentially amplify the essential oil.
2: Well, in our society, we do think direct, neat, undiluted and we also have the tendency in America to think more is always better. Yeah. but remember it's thousands of pounds of plant material making just a small amount of essential oil. Mm. So it does dilute the constituents. it does spread them out, but that's not to say that there's not still an amazing effect and that they're not still you know highly effective due to that concentration one drop in a little bit of oil may very well be enough, especially for a sensitive individual. So diluting doesn't necessarily um, mean that they're not effective, but there are cases where you might want the essential oil directly on the skin, like the lavender on the burn undiluted. You wouldn't necessarily want to put oil right on a burn right after it happens. So that's where neat application can be really helpful. But then maybe a few days later, once the burns calm down, you might want to help moisturize the skin, and that's when lavender in calendula or lavender in arnica might be really nice. But ah. like I was mentioning too, Jacoba, some essential oils really must be diluted, and oregano is a good example of that. So is thyme, even clove. You would never just want to put oregano right on the skin a lot of times people look to oregano because it it is really considered one of those most highly effective antimicrobial oils. And there's a ton of research on oregano and how effective it is at fighting. I mean, plants make these to help fight pests and bacteria and so on. But you really should dilute oregano. Um, And when you look at that chemotype booklet that we talked about, it'll say 0.5 to 2% for general use. So, you know, that's something like a drop of oregano in 100 drops of a carrier oil or a single drop of oregano in 100 drops of lavender. And that's another reason why lavender is so popular is because it's a really great carrier. So in Europe, they often use it as a carrier in times where you wouldn't want to apply a plant oil. You wouldn't want that fatty oil on a burn. Or maybe if someone has, like, athlete's foot and they want to use oregano... They wouldn't necessarily want to put a lot of oil on the feet. That might trap in the heat. And just, you know, many situations, fungal challenges thrive in moist, dark environments. That's why we have, you know, athlete's foot jock itch. They thrive because we have socks on or our clothing very tight up against our groin with underwear and so on. So you wouldn't necessarily want to keep that warmth in and applying an oil might trap in heat and some moisture. Yeah. So that's where you could put oregano in a carrier like lavender. Huh. Just one drop of oregano in 100 drops of lavender, which is a 5-mil bottle, you could shake that up and relabel it, and then use that to support foot health and so on. So well, That's so really, really interesting,
0: Amy. It I, is. I, it's I, a uh,
2: fascinating concept.
0: It is, because you would think that uh, oregano... Oh, no, you're talking about a fatty oil, and I think that all the oils are fatty, but you're telling me that certain oils are more fatty than others, and they should or should not be directly applied to the skin.
2: Well, if you have a certain health condition, like I was saying, maybe athlete's foot or jock itch, you wouldn't necessarily want to put a lot of oil on that area. It might not help. But when you put the lavender or the oregano in lavender instead of in a carrier oil, then you're diluting the oregano so that it's safe for application, but you're not putting it in a carrier oil. So in some cases, carrier oils are great. They are very moisturizing. They trap in that they trap in the moisture, so that protective layer helps to lock in moisture and create a barrier against the elements. That can be great if you have a lot of um, contact issues, like you you touch different plants or certain jewelry has a tendency to cause irritation for you, if you're very sensitive to topical challenges, you might want to put on a carrier oil and just create a protective barrier against the elements. But for some health conditions, it's nice to put oils that need to be diluted, like oregano, into lavender and use that as a carrier. And all of these essential oils are very different from the carrier oils in that the essential oils are made up of carbon Chains, so carbon molecules with um, other elements like carbon, or I should say, oxygen, hydrogen, nitrogen. So there's these different molecular configurations, but they're carbon based. And because they're not fatty acids, the essential oils is sort of confusing to people because they hear oils and they think that they're oily or greasy. Um, Essential oils are carbon molecules, chains of those. I they see. are very easily evaporating. They will huh. absorb into the tissue relatively quickly.
3: Yes, they Although do.
2: they're hydrophobic, they shy away from water, yeah. they're lipophilic. They're very attracted to fats. And huh. our cell, skin cells have a fatty cell membrane. The essential oils can be attracted and drawn into that fat and then brought into the capillary and enter the bloodstream. So they will absorb very quickly. They won't leave a greasy residue. The virgin plant oils, though, are from the first cold pressings of the nuts, fruits, and oily seeds of plants. So you can think of olive oil. It's very oily. If you spill it on a piece of paper, you'll have that greasy residue that will last and last and last. If you pour a pure essential oil onto a piece of paper and come back and look at that paper, if it's a clear oil like lavender, that oil will be gone maybe in about 20 minutes or so, if not much faster.
0: Oh, interesting.
2: Yeah, so you can tell if an oil's been cut or adulterated or diluted in a carrier oil Ah. if it leaves that greasy stain on paper. Mm. But... Very different. So the virgin plant oils are often called carriers, but it's almost unfair to call them carriers. They have immense properties on their own. You can use black cumin for really dry, patchy skin. It's got a lot of great properties like thymoquinone. That is look at some medical research, you'll see that the thymoquinone can be really helpful for supporting healthy liver. And a lot of people use black cumin topically, if they have a lot of um, blemishes. Oh. So that's just one great oil that, you know, you could call it a carrier oil, but it's beautiful just by itself.
0: Now, I want to ask you something, Amy. When, when you talk about carrier oils, you have, your company, Pranarome, has quite a few, uh, I think about 12. Yes. Is what you said. Now, how, how does a consumer walk in a store and say, I need a carrier oil? How do they pick between the twelve?
2: So is there your, a guideline? Yeah, so each one has its own benefits, like black cumin I mentioned is really great for blemishes. Um, calendula, I talked about being really good for baby skin care. It's one of the softest, most nourishing, soothing oils. So if you have a lot of skin irritation or maybe you get um, you know, contact dermatitis, my mom really likes the calendula when she puts on a watch and then gets a sort of a skin reaction from that. When she uses the calendula, she tells me that it really helps to ease that irritation. Mm-hmm. It can be used for bites, bug bites, and so on, too. There's um, evening primrose and borage, and those are really rich in phytosterols. I've seen research on both borage and evening primrose oil being um, supportive for collagen production. A lot of massage therapists like to use hazelnut and macadamia. They're really easily absorbing, and they're great um, carriers, but again, beautiful on their own. Hazelnut's got some um, properties that's very similar to our own skin oils, huh. and wow. so it can help balance our oil production.
3: Yeah.
2: Wow. So there's, each one has its own benefits. Um, tamanu's really an oil that a lot of people like to use for growing bellies um, or stretch marks or scars or fine lines. Mm. There is a booklet, though, that's called Organic Virgin and Infused Oils. That's also by Badu and um, another individual, um, and Melito, and that one has some great bullet points on each oil. Oh,
0: that's wonderful. And then
2: also there's some recipes in the back, so you can look up, you know, sunburn and find out calendula or arnica, like I was saying earlier, may be useful after you've used from lavender and you've gotten to the point where you're ready to apply
0: oil to the skin. Wow so th- that that would be helpful because I would stand there as a consumer and say okay I want to use a carrier oil but now I don't know which one to take in a way you can take any one of them or do you find out Will this booklet will that help to explain which may be the better match with a certain essential oil?
2: Yeah exactly So you really can't go wrong. If you're just trying to rub some essential oil onto the skin, you want to dilute it, you know, you could use argon, you could use arnica. But getting a little more intimate with them and knowing that each one has its own unique benefits, you can really customize your essential oil blend with the proper virgin plant oil. So, you know, it, it can go further beyond just being something that holds your essential oil or dilutes your essential
0: oil now the a question i have for you amy is when you dilute an essential oil with a carrier oil how do you go about it you say well you mix it i mean you, you put it in the palm of your hand or do you use a tablespoon and say we use a half a tablespoon of a, of a carrier oil with three drops of essential oil how how do people figure this out
2: So in some cases, if you're just using it out of bath, you could put it into your hand like a drop of lavender and maybe 15 drops of carrier oil and just use it on your dry parts, the soles of your feet and so on. But if you use essential oils frequently, you can get a blender bottle and put the carrier oil in the blender bottle and then add the essential oil to it. That chemotype booklet will tell you percentage guidelines, so if it's a one percent then you'd use one drop per hundred drops of carrier oil yeah. but also if you want to make a larger amount you can look at the dilution bookmark that we have and that'll give amounts um up one percent to five percent dilution guidelines and in how much carrier oil so that'll make it really easy that's why right. i see rent.
0: it I see it now at the bottom of the page good stuff yeah. all right great well we're going to take a short break amy i really appreciate you spending your time with us this morning folks uh, stay tuned because there's a lot more where this came from
1: almost as good as a protein shake in the morning this is gesundheit with jacobus
0: we were just talking about the different carrier oils you explained that uh, you have 12 different carrier oils that help to absorb the oils In the body, uh, I really thought that talking about essential oils, if they are not adulterated, they should not leave an oily film. They they actually, you said, they get better absorbed with oils, which in this case is the oils of your own body. So they get absorbed easily. Uh, Oils obviously do not get absorbed in water usually. That's the way it should be. So with oil, with water it doesn't work, but if you mix them with oils or if you apply them directly to the skin, they blend with the oils of your body and therefore easily absorb and they will disappear. I have heard, Amy, that, well, I've tried it myself, put oils on the bottom of my feet and they get absorbed very quickly. I've heard about some oils that within a few minutes you can almost taste them in your mouth, on your tongue. Have you heard about that too?
2: Yes. I've seen some research that says when you put the oils on the skin, um, they've done breath tests, and within 15 minutes, some essential oils would be able to be excreted through the breath. So because of their low molecular weight and really small size and the fact that they are lipophilic, they like fat, they will be drawn right into the skin, and especially fast-absorbed in areas where there's thin skin layers, like the um, wrists, um, also the face, the scalp. They're, they tend to really absorb quickly in those areas. But you can apply them, you know, all over the body. And just keep in mind that if it's an essential oil that needs to be diluted, then you would want to dilute it in a carrier oil. The carrier oils are beautiful, like we were saying, all on their own. Yeah. But when you do put the essential oils in a carrier oil, It's kind of like a slow time-release absorption
3: Uh because
2: they hang out in the fat on top of the skin and and you don't get them absorbing right into the tissue as quickly. Other areas or ways in which the essential oils are really quickly absorbed into the body would be through inhalation. So if you have an inhaler stick and you put essential oil, let's say you put um, sinus formula on that and inhaled that, you would have the essential oils of eucalyptus and peppermint and rosemary basically making direct contact with the tissues of the mucous membrane. So it's going to be absorbed very quickly into the mucous membranes as well. Mm-hmm. Inhalation, even in the diffuser, if you're sitting right near it, is a very rapid way for the essential oils to make contact with lung tissue, mucous membrane tissue, and so on.
0: Yeah. It's a... Uh... It's fascinating, in my opinion, when I grab a booklet and I look at the different titles of the oils that are out there, thyme, oregano, frankincense, myrrh, uh, ravansara, you have wintergreen, mint, lemon. You have all these, you have 80 of them. That is, to me, is like, oh, I know what that looks like, but then to understand what these oils can do for you that has been uh, researched for so long, therapeutically what it may help you with it is one of these safe ways you know often people say well you cannot take this internally because it could be dangerous here you have a therapy that you can actually always apply externally or take a bath in or put them on the bottom of your feet or inhale in this case Without inserting it, you don't need needles. You don't need to swallow it internally. Actually, some of it may be better not to. But this is really a therapy that has shown to work without being invasive.
2: Right, and in Europe, these essential oils are really sold in pharmacies, not in health stores like here in the uh. U.S. So it's really respected as plant medicine. Um, they consider it uh, medical aromatherapy. I, I do want to just make sure that people understand. I know sometimes, like you mentioned earlier, folks will say, well, organic costs more. And that's not always the case. It's not the case with many of the essential oils within this line. Of course, rose, by and large, anywhere in the industry, if it's pure, is going to be more costly because of the large amount of roses that are required to make the essential oil. But because plants make those essential oils to fight off viruses and pests and bacteria and microbes and so on, if there's, sprayed with pesticides, they may not produce the same quality and quantity of essential oils that they would if those plants were grown organically. So organic is important for that, and then you just need to keep in mind the large volume of plant material going into a small amount of end product. And so if those roses are all sprayed with pesticides, you may run the risk of having synthetic concentrates in your final end product so when you're you know some people will say well I'm just using it to clean my bathroom but inhalation is one of the fastest ways to get those essential oils into your body and so you're standing over your sink cleaning and you're inhaling those essential oils those naturally occurring chemicals or potentially otherwise maybe synthetic chemicals if those Essential oils are not organic, and they're yeah. adulterated or cut. So, huh. organic is really important. And you can save money on, you know, the clean fifteen. You can maybe get non-organic bananas and non-organic onions, and look at that environmental working group's list. But when it comes to essential oils, this is really an important product to choose organic for. And that's not even because my background's environmental science and. I know that when they spray them with pesticides, it doesn't always stay on the planet. It goes into the groundwater, and it runs off into our lakes and streams. And I personally want to minimize synthetic pesticides and chemicals and, and support organic agriculture. But yes. even back for our own health benefits, organic is really key when it comes to essential It oils. is
0: key, and you are guaranteed that all the correct percentages – in which a plant is growing are represented in the oil it's not been affected by an environmental uh, toxin in this case or an herbicide pesticide that has its own purpose but it does that purpose does affect the balance within the plant and therefore it will affect the end result in the essential oil
2: yes uh, interestingly when you take a peppermint leaf from maybe your herb garden, there are about 107, there's 107 different constituents. So whether you chew that peppermint leaf or whether you take an essential oil made from peppermint that uses the totem Mm. process, you're getting 107 different constituents. Mm -hmm. Um, You can always look at the pranarome.us website and see the chemistry that is in the essential oils. We list the top um, percentages like, for instance, peppermint has a high amount of menthol. It will list 33.55% on the website. But just keep in mind, like you said, you're getting all those constituents. A lot of folks think about peppermint for food because it's in mints and it's on the generally regarded as safe list, and it is used and accepted for use in the food industry for food and flavoring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's used in German and Japanese workplaces to support mental clarity and to support productivity. Mm -hmm. So they feel that if that is used in the workplace, they will get more uh, out of their workers, higher quality, better work. So peppermint's not only something that can help with digestive purposes, it can also be used for supporting healthy circulation, mental clarity. And, in fact, the peppermint is featured in our product that's actually called Mental Clarity. Ah. But you'll also see it in, like, the sinus formula because peppermint is stimulating. It can help open the sinuses, support healthy respiratory function. Not only is peppermint in the sinus formula, you'll get eucalyptus, which it and rosemary we talked about have the 1,8-cineol. That's known to be supportive for helping with congestion. So sinus formula is one of my favorites.
0: Wow, very, very interesting. But uh, the information, I think that what your company has done as far as educating the consumer, it's been one of the main reasons why we decided to carry it because the packaging, the quality, the education, the fact that I have you here on the radio explaining a lot of this to us, the company has literally gone 100% in helping to make this a very consumable product, education all the way. And, and like I said, the handouts are wonderful for people to use. So uh, my head's off to to everybody in your company to creating something that is uh, within this industry almost unique, as good as you've done it. Oh,
2: so. thank you. It's an honor to be able to work with a 100% organic line and to be able to educate and see people um share information and i just love the the great feedback that i get from people when they tell me about their experiences so it's very very rewarding
0: now one of the things that that the the people have discovered also been working with is that hey we do know the benefits of a certain oil what if we start putting some of these together and create a formula now again To make an essential oil formula, many times we need thousands of pounds to create one pound. And it is therefore hundreds of pounds to create one pound. Is that a good thing or not a good thing to make formulas? And what do some of these formulas do for people better than just using the one essential oil that has already so many benefits?
2: Right. Well, I think one of the practical applications is, in some cases... You will have an essential oil that's great for something, but you might want to couple it with something else to help get more chemistry, more synergy. And so, knowing that blends can be built with the support of a number of different oils to help achieve the end goal. Um, like, for instance, with stress recovery, this is a great emotional care formula. We all know that lavender is very calming, very soothing but there are other essential oils that are also effective and i've even seen some research that says that when patients were going in for medical procedures they tested lavender or clary sage they tested two different groups on discovering which essential oil would outperform the other in helping to ease the stress associated with going in for that medical procedure and they found that clary sage was just as good as if not a little bit better Than lavender in some individuals in easing the signs of stress. And so, stress recovery is a formula that's built around that. And I mentioned earlier this one can be put in the bath, but this Mm -hmm. is a blend of lavender with clary sage, harnessing the power of both of those Ah. with some citrus. There's bergamot. Citrus is known to be uplifting, but yet soothing all in one. Yeah. You know, rather than buying a bottle of lavender and a bottle of clary sage and a bottle of bergamot and Sweet marjoram and rose geranium, they're all in there. So it can be cost-effective. It can also be nice if you're just not really sure about how to blend yet. You don't feel comfortable with mixing. You maybe aren't comfortable with doing the math and looking at the dilution guidelines. It's already done for you. It's ready for direct application. You could put a few drops in the palms of your hands and rub your hands together and bring your hands to your face and just breathe those oils in deeply or you can rub the essential oils a little bit on your collarbone or even you know use them in the diffuser so they're ready for direct application that's a nice thing you're harnessing the power of multiple oils you don't have to buy all the oils and they're already expertly blended for you
0: I see so just as adding a pure essential oil to a carrier formula or to a carrier oil and thereby slow-release it, when you put essential oils together in one of your 22 wellness formulas, they all have, they enhance each other. And yes. They enhance each other and they, they complement each other and they all have benefits that are in the same realm of why you call it a certain way, such as mental clarity or stress recovery.
2: Right, exactly. There's another one that's called Immune Defense Solution, and it contains rosemary and eucalyptus and peppermint, a variety of nine different essential oils that are blended and formulated to help respiratory health. Many essential oils are known by aromatherapists to have expectorating properties or help to break down mucus. So these essential oils are chosen based upon their reputation and their properties, blended together, and then something like the immune defense solution can be put, like you had mentioned earlier, in the diffuser next to your bed if you're having Mm -hmm. a hard time breathing. Or it can be used as a chest rub or on the wrists or the soles of the feet. So there are definitely a number of different blends that may be even more cost-effective than buying your individual bottles. And again, they're just expertly formulated in the proper proportions ready to be used directly.
0: Now, I don't know how it is with the bug situation where you live, but uh, we've had quite a few over here, and uh, they're flying around they're like going crazy. I thought we had a long, cold winter, but apparently it didn't affect the bugs the way I had expected. What is, what's going on? There is a formula that you have. It's called Bug Bite Eraser. What is that all about? It literally is what the, what the, what the name says.
2: Yes, so the Bug Bite Eraser is a nice blend of essential oils in a little roller bottle that's ready for you to just rub or roll on an area where you've had a bite. It is lavender, tea tree, clove, and peppermint. So it helps to ease the discomfort and itching of a bite. And what I really like, too, is that, um, you know, some people have a hard time not being able to scratch. The essential oils, many of them, help to fight bacteria. So. If you are introducing bacteria to that area by scratching, you've also got another line of defense. So not only does it help ease the itching, may help you stop scratching. If you have a tendency to pick anyway, then you get those nice antimicrobial benefits of essential oils as well. Hmm. But, you know, you don't have to wait until you're bitten to do something about pest care. There's also a bug repellent concentrate, yeah. and in addition to that, you can also, you know, if you are really interested in blending your own essential oil blends, you could choose any of like patchouli, lavender, peppermint, tea tree, and even eucalyptus citriodora. I was just looking at the Center for Disease Control's website last night, the CDC, and they do list eucalyptus citriodora as an effective misuse repellent. Hmm. So when it's used in products, it can be useful in that manner. And these blends of essential oils are in the bug repellent concentrate. So that's nice to know. And that's cost-effective again in that you can just pick up a bottle. You don't have to pick up five or six different bottles and then just put drops of the repellent concentrate into a spray bottle, like yeah. a hydrosol. Wow! Spray that on the skin, on the jeans, on the clothing, and help ward off those pests.
0: Yeah, and it comes in a spray, doesn't
3: it?
2: Um, No, it's a little concentrate bottle, but okay. you could put it in a spray bottle, like a hydrosol. Okay. Get a one-ounce hydrosol. They're oh. so cheap. they are ninety nine. dollars yeah. And then put 24 drops in there, shake it up, and you're good to go. 24, 25 drops of the concentrate. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Wow. Very, very interesting. I'm, I'm looking over here, as you speak, I'm looking in, in the book, The Chemotyped Essential, The Guidebook to Chemotyped Essential Oils. In the beginning, it gives you all these health conditions that you can use oils for. So, people, uh, check it out. We're going to be on for another half hour with Amy Pereira.
1: Stay tuned, please. This is Gesundheit with Jacobus. Health Talk Radio.
0: And uh, we have a caller who would like to ask you a question. Amy, good morning, caller. Thanks for joining us. What's your name? How can we help you, please?
4: Yeah, this is Roger. I was curious if they had anything there that had some hemp oil in it and and what it might be good for. Oh,
0: interesting.
2: We do not have any um, hemp essential oil. But interestingly, I've seen that some of the components of essential oils do affect the um, CBD endocannabinoid system and so lavender is one that may have some similar soothing properties but no not at this time we do not have a um, cannabis or hemp essential oil.
0: Has there been a has there been a part of the discussion Amy uh, because of the increased interest in CBD oil?
2: Oh. I'm not certain. Um, I'd have to inquire and get back to you on that one. Yeah,
0: I appreciate that. Well, thank you, Roger. Uh, CBD oil is available by itself, uh, but not at this point through the company Pranarome. That's a great question, though. Why not? Essential oils are essential oils, right?
2: Right, exactly. Um, I don't see why you couldn't get um, a large variety of chemicals from it, but that's a whole different science. It may have to be um, managed and... Sold in a different way, Um, but I'll have to get back
0: to you on that. That's a great question. It really is. Um, There are different essential oil companies out. We have a selection of them in the store, but we focus on companies that we, as a retail store, are able to get direct without being involved in a direct marketing or multi level marketing. It's all fine. I'm not criticizing anybody. Several of you listening today have signed up with different companies, and you're using the oils, and you're very, very happy with them. So that is not pointing fingers or anything. It is just that, as a, from a retail point of view, it worked much better for us and for the consumer to know everything we need to know about a company's background, so we can defend it. We can we can say this is why we carry a product. Now, one of the best known essential oil companies is Young Living. And there is one, they have a product that's called Thieves, like a thief. And thieves is many times people have come in and said, Do you guys carry in your line a product that is thieves? Uh, obviously, it is a patented formula. Uh, but does Pranarom? have something that comes close that has similar benefits as this product that has been an all-time great hit amongst many essential oil users.
2: Right. So there is um, something very similar in the fact that the essential oil profile is alike. We have something called Good Samaritan,
3: Uh and
2: it's got cinnamon bark, cinnamon um, leaf, cloves, eucalyptus radiata, lemon and rosemary and so similar essential oil profile but where it's very different is that ours is 100% organic. And so the okay. good samaritan can be used as an indispensable formula in the home to um use for cleaning products. My one of my very favorite ways to use the good samaritan is to put it in baking soda and then sprinkle it on my carpet. Let, I will rake it in with the vacuum in the off setting, and then oh. I turn it on and then suck up all the baking powder. And it just imparts a lovely warm aroma. It makes the carpet smell great. Really? And the, yeah, and those essential oils um, may be helpful for like fleas if you have pets. I would say be careful if you have cats, just make sure you really um, vacuum well and have a well-ventilated space. Essential oils in cats don't necessarily mix. They lack some enzymes in their liver that enable them to properly process essential oils. So
0: so you mix it with baking soda and then you sprinkle it on the carpet and then you rub it in with the vacuum cleaner on off. You kind of roll it over there. Mm.
2: That's what I do, mm-hmm. and then
0: how long do you let it sit before you vacuum it up?
2: Oh, I just go back over where I start. You know, I start in one end, and then after I'm done, kind of raking the carpet with the vacuum, and off I just go back and turn it on and vacuum it up. Huh. So, no, wow. no long period of time.
0: And you do that with the Good Samaritan or any I any do. essential oil?
2: Yeah, I mean, you could do that with lemon. Um, huh. But the Good Samaritan is particularly nice because it's got really those heavy hitters: the cinnamon, the eucalyptus, um, and the cinnamon in general is just nice and a, a lovely, nice, warming aroma, but it's, it's got a lot of antimicrobial properties. It's among the strongest antimicrobial. Yeah. Um, it can be used, too, um, the Good Samaritan blend to make a cleaning product. Another really lovely thing that I like to do is put it in a spray bottle, yeah. with a little bit of liquid castile, sto- liquid castile soap. Oh, yeah. And then fin- fill it up with um, distilled water. Sometimes I'll put a little bit of um, vodka or grain alcohol in there just to keep it preserved. Oh. And just shake it and spray. It's great for light fixture um, switches and sink fixtures, you know, to- cleaning the um, surfaces in your home. It smells great. It's just a really great way to... Um, sanitizing clean surfaces that are non-porous.
0: Yeah, what an interesting way of uh, utilizing these oils. Not only do they have those properties, but at the same time, because of the therapeutic value and the smell going into the air, it it does something to the person who's walking and living in the house. Right, yeah, exactly. It can be
2: used in the diffuser as well. So yeah, the Good Samaritan yeah. um, an excellent, excellent organic blend of essential oils. Wow.
0: There is a lot of stress today. Uh, People are just, I hear it time and time again, as we get older and we do the same thing over and over again, it has become a routine. We simply know the routine. But we don't realize that we're getting a little sloppy at times or we are forcing our physical body to do something that it really, we're not nourishing it enough, we're not uh, strong enough anymore to do what the mind says we know how to do, but the body knows how to do it, but cannot do it anymore. Uh, so, because of that, I see as people have been doing the same routine for years or decades, there is this physical and emotional fatigue that starts to creep up on, up on them. And over time, the mind takes over and over and over and trying to do what it, it just tries to force the body to do things it is not comfortable doing anymore. And so we keep pushing, 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 and it causes stress in the mind. It causes stress in the body. Is this something that uh, Pranarom has looked into and say, you know, there are things we can do to help alleviate some of the mental stress, physical stress, emotional stress.
2: Sure, so I mean if we want to help impart a nice soothing effect on the nervous system, there are definitely essential oils that can help calm and soothe like the clary sage and the bergamot like in the stress recovery. All the citrus are really great in that they're uplifting and calming at the same time. But if we're just kind of lackluster and we need a little bit of stimulus, that's again where like the peppermint can come into play and the rosemary, they can be uplifting and they can support mental clarity. Huh. Another one that's really great is basil. Um, sometimes we get trapped in a sort of circular thought process where maybe we're, we're our, our, our own worst enemy in which we're saying to ourselves like, I don't know if I can do this, I don't know if I can do this, I don't know if I can do this. And we repeat this kind of habitual chatter in our own minds, and basil is one of those essential oils that's so refreshing it can sort of like snap us out of it. So that's a nice one to have in the diffuser, and that's why it's chosen for its properties and included in the mental clarity. Yes. You know, too, and really looking at it from a holistic perspective, though, a lot of times this happens because of sleep patterns. We go, go, go. We're on our devices. We don't use the blue blocking um, glasses, or we're just exposing ourselves to the light that affects our melatonin production. So we really need to look at the big picture. We do need to think about diet. Nothing replaces quality diet, whole foods, proper hydration, physical outlets, and you know, exercise and activity. Yeah. But we can think about our sleep hygiene and how it relates to our overall wellness. We I can. See kind of, you know, turn off the screens before bed. We all know this, but we don't necessarily do it. But there's other things we can do and implement into our routines, like essential oils of spike spikenard and um, clary sage and lavender. What is
4: spikenard? Um, what is spikenard?
2: Spikenard's in the valerian family. Oh, really? It's got some similar components, some similar chemical constituents as valerian. Um, it's actually said that it was used... By Mary Magdalene to wash Jesus' feet on the night of the Last Supper. Huh. So Spike Nerd is very, I, I want to say, heady, kind of strong. Um, if you've ever smelled Valerian in the store, maybe filling the bulk bins, or you've broken a bottle of Valerian, it's very fragrant. Um, some people don't like the smell of Spike Nerd by itself. Okay. And that's where the Sleep Aid is nice because it's got the Spike Nerd with lavender, clary, sage, but also vetiver and Roman chamomile and sweet orange. So I think it's really sort of powdery and soft, and I like to put it on my pillow when I'm at home or in my diffuser before I go to bed, and that way I sort of associate that smell with calming down after a busy day and getting ready for retiring. Then when we travel and we're in a strange element, a different bed and so on, if we use that sleep aid, it sort of helps us to flex our muscle memory and brings us back to restful, easy sleep, thinking about our own healthy patterns. So I really like the sleep aid a lot uh. in the diffuser or even a few drops on a washcloth inserted into the pillowcase, oh. something like that before bed.
0: Yeah, it's interesting also that women smell oils differently than men do, isn't it? There are certain, like personally, jasmine is not a favorite of mine, and my wife thinks mm -hmm. it's the best. Uh, We were talking very early about sandalwood. You mentioned sandalwood, I think, over the air. Now I love sandalwood, but it Mm -hmm. is—it's okay, you know. uh, But women love sandalwood more than men. Have you run into that as well?
2: Um, I have. I think that in some cases, men like some of the earthier, more woody scents. But interestingly, like we have a men's herbal deodorant, and we have a women's floral. And I personally like the men's deodorant on myself. It's huh. got vetiver. I love vetiver. It's very yeah. earthy. Um, but, you know, there are some men who tend to like the, the more floral sense. Huh. Not as a whole as much generally, but what's also interesting, Jacobus, is that sometimes we find something to be very attractive at one point in our life, and then later we find it to be not something that we want to inhale or smell at that point. So even with our own changes in life cycles and hormones, maybe when we're having premenstrual syndrome, we're more attracted to a certain sort of calming, easing oil, and maybe the rest of the month we're not so attracted to it, we might like something more as we age than we do in our youth. So Mm -hmm. sense a very intimate and personal thing, and those essential oil molecules actually make it into, way up into the sinuses and into the olfactory membrane, and that's in basically in the center of our heads that receive those molecules, and those molecules send messages around the cerebral cortex and throughout the limbic system yeah. to have an effect on our body to help impart effects on the central nervous system or again, to be more stimulating if it's a certain type of oil that has that ability. I see. So it's just amazing how we do have things that we're drawn to. And, you know, that's a great way to kind of get a picture whether an oil is good for you is just to go into a store and open the testers yep. and see what you're attracted to. Oftentimes yep. you'll be drawn to that which you need. And so that's a wonderful way to go about ah, that's um, incorporating essential oils into your holistic practice.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you can't overdo it. So I uh, I think I should put like a, like some coffee beans over there that people can smell the coffee beans before right, they go Yeah,
2: the next smell. Yeah, right? it, can, it can be difficult <laughs> to discern after you've smelled 79 or 80 or the 20, I think it's 24 plus wellness formulas, yes.
0: Yeah, <laughs> wow. But that's really interesting. Like you say, sometimes you're in a certain mood and when you smell certain ones, you just get attracted to it. Now, when you smell them out of the bottle, that's not always the same way it may smell when it is diluted on your skin. I, uh, I do find that certain oils have such a strong aroma when you open up the bottle. But when you apply them to the skin, they have a much more gentle smell to them. So this is something that people should be um, aware of when you try one that you, it probably will be nicer once you apply it to the body.
2: Yes, and so um, interestingly, too, everyone's body chemistry is different. We're also, all biochemically unique individuals, and I will tell someone, oh my gosh, you smell great, what are you wearing? And they'll say, oh, the men's deodorant. And I think, huh, doesn't smell like that on me. Huh. So, you know, we just, our own body chemistry reacts with the essential oils, and we are our own unique little diffuser.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's mm-hmm. really interesting that uh, before you apply it to the body. There is, uh, yeah, I I like that. I like that whole concept. Uh, That's wonderful. The mood, we were talking earlier about stress. So Mm -hmm. that is very helpful that you gave us some information about what people can do. Uh, Is there something that they can apply to the body as well? But I, I would say in this case with the stress, try these oils in a diffuser, let them run through your room or run them at night in your bedroom and just let the body absorb these essences. I want to reiterate, for those of you who are tuning in late, when you make an essential oil, and when you're talking about these, these benefits, we are talking about the blood of the plant that has been distilled over an X amount of hours. It could be over 20 hours before the complete distillation has happened in the oil. And we call that the totem, T-O-T-U-M, totem process. So we are talking about something that has taken a precious amount of time in order to get all the healing constituents out. Just because you see a liquid, just because you see a drop, we don't always appreciate the tremendous amount of power that is collected in these drops we don't always appreciate the amount that Mother Nature has given us. It literally is a gift from nature that we use that many flowers, that much, that many roots in order to get these few drops that are helping us in a certain way, either to heal from a burn, heal emotionally, heal with sleep, heal uh, as, an, as a respiratory healer as an infection from infections, from skin conditions, etc., There is so much going into these essential oils that once you start reading or listen to a program like today, you start to appreciate what all this means, what, what all happens in the natural industry before a product is actually going to market. And, and I really think that many things that you have explained today, Amy, have given me some better insights in this, and I really appreciate that.
2: Oh, sure, you're right. It's amazing that what the plants themselves do, and then the whole process in extracting the oils, and really, when it comes down to it, you mentioned it takes so much acreage to make essential oils. It's absolutely critical that we're supporting our planet and sustainably harvesting the whether it's the bark or the root or the the resin, like in making frankincense. It's absolutely critical as the demand for essential oils is rising that we can serve and protect these resources and so that is of utmost importance to us and I really encourage individuals to ask questions of the companies that they purchase oils from you know why aren't they organic are they organic you know how are these crops harvested yes. we need to ensure survival of these species, not only you know for their benefit, but for ours as well.
0: Now, are there essential oils that we work with, that you work with, that have actually been grown in the United States?
2: Yes, some of them for sure, and then others don't grow well in the U.S., like frankincense does not grow in the U.S., so that's huh. going to come from Somaliland. The lavender hydrosol comes from the U.S., the lavender and lavender reserve come from france and so if anyone's interested you'll always see on the product the country of origin yeah and you can even look up each individual product on the website to find out where it's grown what the chemical constituents are within that oil and then you'll find some additional information like blending suggestions dilution rates under each individual product
0: right wow We have come to the end of the show, Amy. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Oh, thank you so
2: much, Jacobus.
0: Yeah, what a what a wealth of information you are, and really, I can tell that you are an educator. You really are moving left and right, up and down, in and out. It's it's just fun to listen to you explain this field that isn't always talked about very much people like to talk about vitamins and herbs etc but this is really fascinating stuff and i hope i wish you all the best i thank you for being on and i do hope that we can continue our discussion with you to discuss things we weren't able to get to yet
2: i would love that too
0: all right well we'll do that we'll set that up and i appreciate all of you listening we're going to be back talk to you then